0: Hmm? Ah.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima And I'm Sean And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things
0: Today we'll be covering the sixth episode from season three titled Chapter 6 E Pluribus Unum
1: which means, out of many, one.
0: Oh, nice. I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah. I looked up. I recognized Pluribus. I was a bit of a nerd. Well, I've said over and over, I am a nerd. But I recognized some of the um, Latin, because I was. I wanted to learn Latin when I
0: was Well, that's younger. what's on money, isn't it?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think okay, so. That's yeah. I, that's
0: where I noticed it from. Which I, I never thought-
1: carried cash, so I don't look at money anymore. <laughs>
0: Well, it makes sense with uh, Erica talking about her capitalism and communism comments, so I, I guess that's the only thing I yeah. could tie it to. But no, you're, what you said, that makes sense why they call that this episode.
1: Yeah, well, and I also thought because of the Mind flayer, um, how... Was out of the one he created many he had all, mm-hmm. like all the yeah. body snatcher people and then whenever they all start to smush at the end and oh. make one big ginormous mind flayer so out of many one i thought of that too um yeah we're gonna talk about that i'm really excited to talk what a freaking episode this had me on the edge of my seat uh whenever i first watched it last week so i'm I'm excited. What what are your general thoughts? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Was it too much? Was it just enough?
0: I enjoyed it. I thought it was just enough. Um, you know, some of the stuff I liked a little bit more than the other. So we've got kind of three storylines going at once. We've got mm. the kids, we've got the mission impossible, and we've got the <laughs> interrogation of, you know, the Russian. And I like the story with the kids more so than the other two. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I'm kinda of, like you said, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, but I'm ready for these stories to converge and kinda of get moving.
1: Yeah, we keep getting closer and closer, but it's like we're just not there yet. Hopefully though, uh things are starting to there's only like what two
0: two episodes two left.
1: two more episodes. We have to, right? We gotta start getting some people together and uh talking about what the hell is going on and you know, uh it's gonna take many uh of them together to fight this freaking mind flare. Um so with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top 5. I'll get it started this week. I'm going to go ahead and just start off with who else thought N- Nancy was a goner. I mean, <laughs> we, we didn't get straight to that point back at the hospital. We get we do eventually get to it pretty quickly there in the beginning um, cuz we left off with the friggin' you know, mind flare there in the hospital uh And it chases after her as she runs throughout the hospital. And it traps her in this room. And wow, who else was totally freaked out when that thing was outside the door and it just like melted into a pile of goo again and went through that vent through the door? Yeah. Gosh. I was
0: was expecting that door to open and it to be gone. And for her to be like, oh, everything's fine. Like I was expecting her to be taken over and become one of the Hive. Oh, really? That's what wow. I was like, how the heck are you going to get out of this? Because the kids were just starting to figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew You know, her boyfriend couldn't do anything about it. Jonathan, like, what's he going to do? <laughs>
1: Jonathan got the hell beat out of him pretty bad. So he's worthless at this point.
0: But that battle, when that door flings open, and you see Elle just throwing it against the wall. Like, we saw that big oh battle gosh. between her and Billy. And that yeah. was super intense. And this one was... It was. She definitely dominated this one, but it was still kind of scary.
1: It was scary. I uh, we've said re- repetitively throughout this uh, season how they have really amped up the scare factor. I- I'm digging it so much. When that thing came through the door and Nancy's trapped with that thing and it slung her against the wall. I mean, she's got to be like 95 pounds soaking wet. I thought she was dead. Mm-hmm. I thought we're going to lose a major character. This is this is what's happening right now. We've lost Nancy. And then whenever it was, um, okay, so she made it out of that, like, okay. But, you know, she's had the wind knocked out of her. And then when she's on the ground and that thing is over top of her, I thought, okay, now it's going to happen. So that, it, it had me really, you know, I typically, sometimes watching certain shows, sometimes Stranger Things, sometimes other things, I'll throw out The Walking Dead, for example, where... I can be watching and it's supposed to be a really scary, intense kind of moment, right? And you're supposed to be thinking, Oh no, so and so's gonna die. And I'm saying they're like, No, they're yeah. not gonna die. Yeah. They're they're plot protection, they're fine. Plot protection. Nothing's gonna happen. That's the best way I'm, to put it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not scared for this person at all. I know they're not ballsy enough to kill this person right now. So I'm kind of just like, eh, but with Stranger Things, this this actual episode, you know, and not just this moment, but other moments, I've sat there and thought, "Oh shit, that person's dead. They're they're gone. This is when it, this is when it's going to happen." So I love that they were able to get me to that point. And yeah, like you said, Elle comes in, throws him around like a boss, totally saves the day. You can really see how her. We talked about it before in the sauna test with Billy. How it seems she's really grown into her powers and she probably hasn't even realized the full extent of them. I mean, she's still really young, like 13, 14 years old. Um, She might still have a long ways to go to see how powerful she truly is, but we've seen how far she's come already and she is amazing. Um, So that was pretty cool. And then when she slings it out the window and it just falls apart and like slips down through Mm -hmm. the... um, what is it? The the sewer? The sewer oh good.
0: You see a Just, bone and then you see what looked to me like a fang.
1: I told you, man, I saw some bones in like a foot yeah. or something whenever um Bruce and Tom, you know, they separately melted into goo and then came together. And as you could see them sliding across the floor to meet up to create that you know, the mind flare that came after Nancy. Gross.
0: I mean, I love it, but gross. And I mean, so at this point, like it's it's pretty safe to say all these people that the mind flayers taken over they're gone, right? Like they're they're dead. They're I, not. I, I'm not thinking they're clones. I'm thinking like they're taken over and kind of hived. And
1: I mean i I feel like I'm I I feel like we still don't know for sure. I don't know if I can 100 percent say that. I feel like that's where I'm leaning. That because I I thought well they're just like a clone. They're just like their bodies are stuffed away somewhere in a room there in that uh, mill or wherever that they're at um, and these are just like clones or carbon copies of the people uh, and just happen to be part of the Mind flare. now I am starting to think the, yeah, they're they 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 were taken over and they're essentially not even human anymore and and these people are essentially at this point by the end of the episode when they all start just falling to the floor and um, I think they're dead but I don't know that they've definitively pointed that out if it has maybe I've missed it um, but I think you know that's that's where we're at and and there's no hiding that this is not a, a barb situation where they can you know cover that up this is like half a damn town so far
0: you can't, can't,
1: this is not gonna be such an easy ass cover up like you know they're, they they did with barb so i don't know that was a really great um part i loved that i love the scare factor loved you know the lights flickering throughout the episode thought it was super scary um and just loved it so that's
0: my number one I like it. That's a good way to start it. Oh,
1: sorry, not number one. Number five. (laughs) Not my number one. Sorry, I had a glass of wine earlier.
0: (laughs) My number five. I'm going to go with uh, Hop is right. So we see a really intense interrogation. It was kind of comedic, and again, like I feel like they've got to make sure they're walking this line where there there can be some comedy in there. Like I don't mind it, but don't don't get too slapsticky. And I felt like this kind of butted up against it again here, where. Yeah. You know, he, he takes the Russian. The Russian says, uh, I ordered cherry Slurpee, not strawberry, which mm-hmm. honestly, I don't like Slurpees. So I think they probably all do taste the same. Disgusting. It's just sugar and ice.
1: Sugar and ice.
0: And so we see him throw them out there. He throws the keys out there. He's holding Joyce and them back being like, I know what's going to happen here. I've dealt with these guys before, which would have been his New York. His Was it Chicago? Or, it was New York, right? New York. New yep. York. It was his New York times when he was on the force there where he probably did deal with guys like this who would talk tough and, you know, give them the chance to get away and like, yeah, go run back to the people. And they're going to think that you, you know, ratted them out. What's going to happen. You're going to explode like a rat in front of mind flare. So we see him do that. And I was actually expecting it to be the slapstick. Like, Oh, he actually did drive away. And now they got a chasing kind of thing. But hop was right. He gets to the gate. He backs the car up, walks back in, hands the keys, and says, I too like strawberry. (laughs) Um, I do like it because I think Hop a lot of times, even the the mayor was talking about like he's a bumbling idiot. And I feel like Hop never gives. He does have substance abuse issues. We know that for sure. Yeah. But he's also had a lot of bad crap happen in his life, which I would assume probably has kind of led to that. But he's still a really good cop he's done a great job in all these seasons, figuring these things out. And, you know, this is another situation where he knew what he was doing and he made the right decision because instead of them wasting more time with, uh, Smirnoff, now he's going to tell them what they need to know.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I really hate doubting Hopper cause I always have so much faith in him um, and his capabilities and, and, you know, he has a lot, in his skill set from having an, he's not just a small town cop. He's, he had some experience in a big city and had a lot more exposure. Like you said, you know, being a New York city cop than just, you know, the, um, you know, outside of the whole upside down thing happening in Hawkins. I figure the crime rate probably isn't too serious, you know, probably just your typical small town kind of stuff. Um, or at least as far as the eighties anyway, nowadays, small town stuff, it's a meth, Oh um, yeah. Kind of like yeah. places I know, all the small towns have huge meth issues um and now have lots of shootings because of it. At least that's what happens in in my regional area with all the small towns. Um as that has increased. But in the 80s, I don't think it was too serious I think you know most um small towns in the eighties compared to like how bad crime was in probably the late seventies, eighties of the time that Hopper was there. So he's got a good skill set, but I have to find myself. And I'm ashamed to admit it. I was doubting him slightly in this episode when he was like, you know, I've been dealing with these guys my whole life, you know, he's going to come back. I mean, he, what he said made sense. I just really didn't think, that Smirnoff, that Alexi was yeah. going to come back. I thought, oh, no, nah, he's getting the hell out of there. He's, you know, he's got the keys. He's he's bailing out of here. And he was right. And I think it would have been really easy for him to just, you know, for them to, you know, turn it around for Hopper to be wrong. But he was actually right. And I, I liked that, that he was right. And you're right. They had a, it. It was getting a little slapsticky there for a little bit. Did you hear the music that was playing? It yeah. almost sounded a little Benny Hill yeah. or well, something. Yeah. Well, that- <laughs> As he's throwing Alexi uh, on the table and tossing him around, throwing him outside, roughing him up, throwing the keys. And I was like, oh, man, come on. Yeah.
0: Well, I did like when he slammed him down, like, because, you know, Smirnov doesn't speak English, but he was telling the people in the room in a very aggressive voice, he's like, I'm not going to hurt him. Yeah. Which, I mean, in that situation, like, you know, Smirnov doesn't know what he's saying. So, you know, he could be thinking, like, oh, my God, he just said he's going to kill me. But it's a way to tell everybody in the groups, like, listen, let me do this. I know what I'm doing. I'm playing bad cop at the moment. Yeah. And, and honestly, if they, if they played it to where Smirnoff actually did drive away, I would have been more upset about that because I think that would have been more of a uh, situation where you're like, Oh God, that was really stupid. Why would you do that? And it would be kind of like, Oh, now we got to chase him through the woods. But having Hopper be right about it, kind of, you know, establish that Hopper knows what he's doing and even though everybody doubted him, I doubted him. I was like, okay, I'm going to be kind of annoyed at this episode. Mm-hmm. But when it turned it around, I was like, all right. And it was just kind of like he didn't gloat about it as much as you probably would have seen in super slapstick TV <laughs> show. But right. it was just kind of like. Just enough. Yeah, see? What was that? Trust we're doing? me. Yeah.
1: Trust me. Um, yeah, it, I love that whole scene when. You know, he's so aggravated, you know, he's like throwing the Whoppers on the table and the Slurpee and he's chomping on his burger and you can tell he is just pissed, you know, he is just like, you know. And then when Alexi's complaining about, you know, it being a strawberry instead of a cherry Slurpee, you know, Hopper just aggravated all the hell. Uh, well, yeah, when he, uh, I couldn't help but be a little um, amused at his expression.
0: <laughs> oh, I can not I can never remember the conspiracy theory guy's name. I keep forgetting it.
1: Murray. 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 Murray Bowman.
0: Um, when uh, he tells Murray, he's like, the Burger King was nowhere near the 7 And Murray's <laughs> like, I never said it was. <laughs>
1: yeah, Those two, I'm really loving Murray and Hopper together. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you gave away my coordinates.
1: <laughs> I have to relocate.
0: I'm exposed.
1: <laughs> 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 Their moment in the kitchen, Murray oh, breaks yeah. out the stoley. Um
0: What I find (laughs) super funny about that, so Hopper, so Murray's this big like anti-communist, (laughs) anti-Russia, and Hopper walks up and is like, he's like, what are you looking for? He's like, you got any whiskey, like American whiskey, like that's the most American drink, right, whiskey. Yeah, he's like
1: a good shot of bourbon, man.
0: (laughs) He's like, no, but I got vodka, that's (laughs) Russian
1: and we know he's got vodka because that's what he gave Jonathan yeah. and Nancy last season when they showed up. They're like, here, he's like, here, just we, we, we have to have a shot. Like we, you know, everything that we've just learned calls for a shot. And they're like, uh, we're underage. Um, so we know he's got, yeah, we knew he had a stash of vodka. I was waiting for that whenever Hopper was like, I need whiskey. And I'm like, he's got vodka.
0: Yeah, yeah I that feel was a like good little a, moment in the kitchen. It's very kind of JFK. It's like, we don't like the Cubans, but we like their cigars. Like the
1: cigars. Keep the cigars <laughs> coming in, please. Right. I don't like cigars. Not
0: a uh, I can't smoke at can. all. Like if the few times I've smoked anything, guaranteed I'm gonna throw up. Guaranteed. Yeah.
1: Well, back in my smoking days, because I was a one time smoker a gazillion years ago, I uh the small like uh, they were like the skinny, not super skinny, but like skinny uh, sweet cigars. Mm. I could have one of those sometimes when we'd all be playing poker around the table. I'd be, yeah, I know. That's real feminine there, isn't it, folks? But, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm open, I'm honest. But uh, I enjoyed it at the moment. It seemed like a good thing to do at the time. Anyway, I like that. That's a really good number five. Well, my number four, it's super short and sweet. I thought we were going to get a little bit more, but we got a little bit, and that's the fair.
0: Yeah. Fourth of July fair. Little exposure to the fair.
1: Little exposure to the fair. We got to see it um, all being pieced together. Nothing like a good summer fair. Uh, with all the rides put together by the local carnies or the carnies traveling through town um, and all the yummy fair food that comes with it. And it reminded me just when they kind of hovered over it, you know, they got the shot of the guy putting up the sign um, Hawkins 4th of July fair, something courtesy or something of mayor Klein or whatever. He's really, you know, rubbing it in how, you know, he's all, you know, responsible for this fair and he's such a good guy. Um, But as I kind of come in over top and kind of show the fairs, everything's kind of coming together, people with their food and, um, you know, all the the rides and things coming together really brought me back. Um, Stranger Things always kind of makes me feel nostalgic. And it reminded me of the fair that we had in uh, my town every year growing up. And it wasn't a 4th of July fair, but it was a summer fair. Um, In fact, it's going on right now (laughs) um, from now until uh, the weekend. And I'm actually thinking about Dropping in sometime, if I can make it that way, but um in in my town, it was this awesome summer fair that we had that was like when it happened every year, that was the place to be that was you know before school started, um everybody gets together, you're eating all the junk food, corn dogs, cotton candy, you're walking around, having a good time, you've got all the music playing from all the rides, you're riding the rides with all your friends um seeing places from all the, because like people from all over would kind of come in, um, all the other small local towns would come in, and we were in a town, but there was also lots of rural folks that would come in from the country and come into town to the fair. There was a beer garden, which I was too young for the beer garden, but <laughs> you could always know that there was something fun that was going to happen coming out of the beer garden late, only if you were there on late Friday and Saturday night when the uh, beer garden was happening. And it was just a blast, and it just made me think of that, um, and I thought I need to head back to that to that fair sometime and check that out. And like I said, it's kind of happening now. But I, I loved it so much. So, did you have anything like that when you were growing up in your town?
0: We did. Uh, it was uh, like my town. I'm from is like super super small. So we had a fall festival that was like uh, basically it was a parade, and then like a couple like you know small town pageants. I was actually in like the Little Mister pageant. Um, sure. <gasps> Yeah, so How cute. Uh, the town I'm from is Liberty, so it was Mr. Liberty kind of thing, like Little <sighs> Liberty. And I, my mom's got video of it, and I come walking out with the biggest smile on my face, like I'm like just oh, shucking wow. it up, like it was. Uh, it was pretty funny. I didn't win, but uh, I just remember walking Aww. out. I think they said like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I was like, "I want to be a fireman and a an EMT ambulance driver." Uh, and stuff like that, but yeah, we we totally had the similar stuff. And to well, me,
1: it didn't happen unless there's pictures or video. I and mean, you just <laughs> well, mentioned that your mom had videos. If so. I can get it
0: off VHS, I will gladly put it on the internet. I'm,
1: I'm going to need to see that because otherwise, I don't believe you. <laughs>
0: um, but and we're actually going to go to the state fair next week with with my son. Oh, and nice! I, it's been a year or two since I've been. But whenever you go to your fair, it feels like the state fair here or any fair I go to. Does it not feel like you're going back in time to like 1988 to 1993, like somewhere yes. in that time frame? They all feel like they're stuck in that time.
1: Yeah, the rides don't change, it's, oh, yeah. it feels like. There might be one new thing, but like all the rides are like the same exact rides I rode at like from the ages of 9 to like 13.
0: Yeah, the food seems the same. The, the I mean, it's always the same fairgrounds, which aren't really updated much, so it's not like super no. technological. But I was actually just looking, Uh, I missed, I was all excited because I said, well, when's the fall festival that I used to go to? And it said the 68th. I was like, oh sweet, I'll go to this year's and next year's. (laughs) The problem was, is the 68th was from 2014, so I missed it. I missed it by that much.
1: Darn. (laughs) That sounds awesome.
0: But I I mean, this kind of gets that nostalgia feel. I always think about going back, because it's usually in September is when they have the one I'm from, so... Yeah, I'll have to try and pack the kid up, go back home and be like, son, this is where I used to play.
1: I know. I, I wanna take my kid. I don't know that she um I don't know that she's ever been. And you know, when you're a kid, everything seems like it's huge. Like it's really large. Yeah. Like the same place that they had the fair whenever I was a kid is the same place that they have it today. And I remember thinking, um, you know, when I was a kid, it just like, wow, look at all the rides. Look at all the booths. Because there was always the booths where you could buy the T-shirts. You know, mm-hmm. there were T-shirts and there was like the the, the junk jewelry um, and just all of that kind of stuff happening um, and just all different things that you could buy. Then there was all the food, the beer garden over here, um, all the rides that even when you had um, a section of the street. Uh, where they were playing like heavy metal music and you could dance oh, nice. and do you know different things and it, it just looks so huge you 'd be walking around and you felt like you were walking forever and ever and I know that when you go back as an adult to these types of things, it looks so small, and you 're like, gosh, I remember this being so huge, but everything 's big when you 're a kid right um, well, I mean
0: remember back in the day too, like my parents would just let me run around there by myself. Oh, yeah. Because, and those parks were not well lit, the one I went to. No. And you were, I was constantly running behind things. It was around a square that people would be driving around. It's no wonder more kids didn't get run over or, you know, just hurt. Yeah.
1: We were right in the middle of there. There wasn't like a fair, this particular one that I'm talking about was not um, out in the fairgrounds in a certain. It was in the same spot every year, but it was right in the middle of the of, of town. Um, so there would be some of the streets would be blocked off because, like I said, on one side of the street there'd be like the beer garden um, and some eating areas if you wanted to sit and eat and stuff with your kids. Um, and then on the other side they would have other things. And then all in the middle was all the rides and food. I mean, and. I, I mean, I've said many a times in the 80s, I was a latchkey kid, you know. I was by myself a lot. I was home alone a lot. I came home alone a lot. I would run around town on my bike all the time, you know, while my mom was working. She was a single mom, so I was out all the time. And we we go to the fair. She would be there, but my mom was, you know— you know, talking to her friends and she was checking out the booths and doing things. And I was walking around all over the place by myself. I'd be finding my friends. We'd hang out for a while. Then they'd be like, Oh, I got to go. My mom's calling me. And you know, they'd come holler at him or something. And I would just be like, okay, I got to go find my mom. You know, (laughs) when I figured it's time to go and have to go hunt her down. I would have never done that when my kid was, I practically had her on a leash. I didn't, but I mean, I can't can't imagine it was so different when we grew up in the 80s um yeah I was by myself all the time and hanging with my friends and someone could have just as easily just I mean and the only lights that we had were the lights from you know around the food booths and all the crazy you know carnival lights and the lights on the ride so it was very dark in a lot of places so yeah someone could have just snatched you anywhere and run off with you and never be found I don't know Anyway, I, I rambled on so much about that. It real, like I said, this it really brings out a nostalgia um, thing in me every time I watch Stranger Things, and it really got me thinking about the fair um, and thinking about the good old days of my town fair because it looked almost exactly the same. And they had the freaking Gravitron. Tell oh, me you've yeah. ridden the Gravitron. I
0: haven't. I'm not a big rides guy. What? But, yeah, oh, that man. was pretty intense. Oh, my gosh. Uh, especially a way to interrogate somebody using that. Like, that was pretty crazy.
1: That was hilarious, like when his glasses flew off. Yeah. Um, for anyone that's ridden the Gravitron, um, I couldn't ride it today. I Something happens when you go from being a kid to being able to ride all the spinny rides and roller coasters that when you're a kid, it's the best thing ever. Somehow when you get an adult, and it could just be me, you somehow lose the cool factor. Like if I get on a roller coaster now, I get off that thing and I am dizzy as hell. I don't throw up, but I want to, um, and I feel like I need to take a week off of work for my brain to recover because <laughs> my head—I feel like I've got a, a concussion or something—and um, I'm like, "What the hell happened to you?" So I could not ride that thing today. But the Gravitron—I loved it so much. How it would like pin you to the wall, um, at the side of the ride, and you could like, you know, try to lift yourself up, and it would just like immediately throw you back again and you could roll around on them. It was almost <laughs> like being out out and I don't know. It was just weird how it would hold you to the wall and you could like roll around and you would never fall off of the wall um, as it spun you around. I don't know. It was, it was something, but it was a good, good callback um, to all the fun carny rides that you would expect to see. Anyway, that was my number 4 went way too long. I'm going to stop talking about the fair at least until it pops up again in the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, my number 4, I'm going to go with the interrogation of Steve. So, we oh, see poor Steve. Uh, I know, right? It was, you know, you, you see Dustin and them they they escape. And it kind of got again a little bit of wacky, you know, Dustin's trying to get out and he says, "I'll, you know, I I won't forget you." That's how we got this opening to this episode. But Steve doing the honorable bit thing, stopping him. But when he was getting interrogated, they weren't pulling any punches. I mean, no, he was telling the truth. Uh, he was leaving a few things out, but he was telling the truth. But was basically being thought of as a spy. Uh, they get him and Robin in the room, time together, give him some truth serum, and we—I think it was before they gave him the truth serum. But there was the moment between Robin and. Uh, Steve, where she's talking about you know the class that she sat behind him and how much yeah. she like really liked him, and it was a uh, like kind of a little bit of a teary eyed moment um, to yeah. an extent because it's you know I think everybody's had that like high school crush that just didn't like notice you and to be <laughs> yep. in this situation and then like, like oh like okay you know here we are we're on the ground she starts laughing and it's like I'm going to die by the hands of some Russians like this is insane this is crazy, but. Steve and them get the truth serum and tell the truth to an extent again. And Steve gets a little bit more out there with Hop and Dustin. But
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, it was it was intense. It was very intense. I think it went a little bit further than what I thought they would.
1: It was a very intense scene. And would it really be a season of Stranger Things if Steve didn't get the hell beat out of him?
0: I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> how does this guy not have multiple concussions at this point? Especially after this episode because he got the – like. Hard punches to the face. Like, enough that it knocked him unconscious.
1: This wasn't a high school fight, uh, you know, where you're getting beat up by a teenage boy, which it seemed like Billy, when he beat him up in uh, season two, that was some pretty hard punching. But at the same time, these are like Russian soldiers. You can only imagine um, the type of training that they may have had and how hard he was um, getting beat up. So, um, yeah, they weren't messing around. Um I like that you brought all of that up because that's actually my number three, which I'll just go ahead and talk about. Yeah, the poor guy I got the hell beat out of him, but I wanted to talk about the moment between him and Robin. Um I I wanted to love it. I really did. When they when they are hopping there in the chair and trying to get those scissors and they end up falling to the floor. Um and she has this confession moment, which they haven't even had the uh truth serum yet,
0: right? I don't think so. Yeah, I think they so, was it was pre serum.
1: Yeah, so they haven't even had the truth serum yet, but uh the truth starts pouring out of Robin and she, you know, I really really wanted to love that moment. Um and most of it I really did, but when Robin confesses that she and her fellow outcasts are jealous of the cool kids, um it kind of bothered me just a little bit and only because it didn't seem to ring very true. Um, with a show like Stranger Things, which for me, and I might be alone in my thinking, and that's totally fine. I'm used to that. Um, This show, to me, mostly champions misfits and outcasts. And to me, this is like saying everyone in The Breakfast Club wanted to be Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald. And, And it seemed like Robin... When we first met her up until this point, she was okay with not being cool and okay with not being popular. But in this scene, she kind of suggests something different, and it was a little bit of a bummer because – and I mean, I have I myself, I know I've always kind of been the weirdo. I've been the outcast. I've been, you know, I've always, I've had friends and stuff. None of them that really got me because I was like a real nerd um, and liked different things. I was the tomboy. I liked doing boy things, but I was also a little bit girly. Um, I did like some of the nerdy things. Um, and I was just always kind of used to just being the weirdo, but I was okay with it. You know, I mean, I wanted to, you know, be friends with Maybe the popular kids or wish, you know, maybe that they had at least liked me, but I didn't really want to be them because they – A lot of them, at least whenever I was growing up at that age, were kind of jerks. So I didn't really want to be a jerk. And why would I want to be friends with them if they were a jerk? That brings up a whole new question. (laughs) But anyway, but um, you know, it's hard being the weirdo and hard being a misfit and an outcast. But at the same time, I just was like, whatever. You either like me for who I am, um, or you don't. And that's what I've kind of always stuck to. And it's what I how I raised my kid too. I'm like, don't worry about being, because it's so hard. Kids are always so worried about when they're growing up they always want to be the cool kids or friends with the cool kids, or they're so worried about fitting in. And I get that, you know, cause I was there too, at a certain age, you know, you don't want to stand out from the crowd. You want to be, you don't, you want to blend in, right. You don't want to be that one person that stands out and gets made fun of or anything. So I totally get that. But I, you know, I raised her that way too. It's like, just you know, be proud of who you are and be yourself. You are the only. You are the only you. You know, you you can't be like anyone else. No one else can be like you. You are you, and that needs to be celebrated. Um, so I feel like that's you know what Robin's personality was. So it was a little bit of a bummer, um, you know, to hear her say that. You know, oh, we just wanted to be like you guys. You know, we wish that we were you know, the popular kids. Um, maybe if she had just revealed that she had her crush on Steve, you know, she meant she does say, you know, I was obsessed with you. I'm totally fine with that. You know, I think that's a total normal thing to kind of say. Um, and I thought it was kind of heartbreaking when she reveals that. And I think that that was way more on pulse with the show. And I think Steve admitting that he was an asshole was more in a way of character growth and true to his character than what that moment was with Robin. So, um, I don't know. I really loved all of that. And she tells him, she says, even if all of us losers pretend to be above it all, we still just want to be popular, accepted, and normal. Um, I think I would be okay with some of that, um, except for the popular part. Well, I know I think- that they want to be accepted, but I still think you should celebrate who you are. Yeah, unique.
0: I, this was definitely a time, too, where, I mean... Like this was in a small town being, you know, the the most popular person in your high school was really kind of like the biggest. Cel- like, you know, I, I can think of like back in my small town, like the most popular kid was almost like a mini celebrity in the town. Yeah. And that's kind of what, you know, Steve is here. Like he's known around town. It's Steve. You know, it's the great hair Steve. Mm hmm. But I mean, now too, I think, and it's kind of bad, I think a lot of kids may look outside of their school, be like, well, who cares? You know, the school's nothing but a small town, whatever. I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to get 10,000 likes on my pictures and stuff. So
2: oh, I know.
0: like, what's better? What's worse? I think everybody, maybe not just want to be accepted or be normal. I, I think it's more of like what you think and feel you want that to be the norm and I don't know. I think everybody likes accolades, and everybody likes to be put kind of on a pedestal, and everybody kind of likes to feel special. I think, and I think that's kind of the the mirage of the local celebrity kind of feel.
1: Right, that's true. God, thank God, I grew up without social media.
0: Oh, I I know, right? I've uh, I've been listening to a podcast where he's like, "Yeah, I don't think my kids are going to like. I'm not going to let them have social media until they're probably 16 or 17. I really want them to wait till they're 18
1: because I know with that
0: I got it when I start with my summer of my sophomore year of college. So right before I went to my sophomore year of college and that probably was still a little too early, but it was still so new that like you didn't really know what you could do with it yet. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I held that off as long as possible. I think by the time Facebook came out, I made my kid wait for a while and I finally, she finally wore me down when she was in eighth grade um, and I let her have a Facebook and I had to have like all of her login information. I had to yeah. be able to to see it and view it. I think I only got a Facebook page so I could watch her Facebook page <laughs> and also like what her friends were up to. Um, yeah, I was that mom. I don't care. Um, but well, I got it, it, it when
0: know. when it was only for college kids. You had to have a .edu to get it, and it came really? to our school. Yeah, and I got it. Wow! It was, yeah, I think it had been out like maybe two or three years, and I got it. Yeah, the sophomore, the, right before my sophomore year, somebody invited me to it for my college, and I joined, and it was we just went from there.
1: Wow. Spiraled. And then look now I'm hardly on Facebook that much except for our page. I'm not on my personal page like almost ever. I'm mostly on there just for the podcast page and to post and look for things um, like news, uh, posting, and of course, interacting with all of our awesome folks that do get on our Facebook page um, and interact. That's about my limitations Uh, because Facebook is so full of just yeah, crap. <laughs> my personal I, feed. I don't even want to get on there.
0: <laughs> I'm always posting pictures of myself on my Instagram page trying to get home <laughs> in my record of 10 likes. Ugh. That's
1: right. You're going to break it one day, Sean. <laughs> I just know it. Let me know if you need me to tip the scale in your favor <laughs> one day. I will be there for you, buddy. I will do that for you. Um, well, I talked about um, that was your four. I talked about my number three and that was the um, scene with Robin and Steve in that moment. Um, what is your number three?
0: Well, if that moment didn't touch you much, uh, maybe this one will. Uh, really, it's just a quick phrase of saying "I love her and I can't lose her again."
1: Oh yeah.
0: So we have L going deep into her dark abyss, trying to find Billy, and then we have her boyfriend Mike, ex
1: boyfriend. She dumped his ex boyfriend. That's
0: true. <laughs> and it was kind of I was kind of curious what they were gonna do here if it was gonna because. Max really was kind of like, really like she's her own person. You don't control her. You don't own her. And I was kind of curious if they're going to take it and like he was almost being a jerk about it. But saying this is like, hey, I'm not doing this because I want to control her. I'm doing this because I'm worried about her and love her. And like he did lose her for a whole year. Yeah. After the first event. So like, I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. And
1: of course, I
0: I think too, at this point, he may not fully understands, understand the you know, the full nature of what's going to happen. You yeah. know, he's probably, I mean, they stopped the the um, upside down. So, like, what could be worse than that, right? And so I think it's, it's kind of like the episode or the TV show Serenity when, you know, River's in the thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but she's a super-powered, like, kind of an L-type character, and her brother... Yep. You know, she's getting sent out on this mission to steal money. And he tells her, it's like, hey, it's okay to run. It's okay to let them die. Like, I kind of got that feel from here. It's like, hey, we just want to keep ourselves here. Like, don't worry about everybody else. It's not your job to worry about everybody else. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it, it came from more of a place of fear than controlling. So I kind of really like that they played on that. And I also like that he didn't say it to her yet. Like, she comes out, everybody knows it but her.
1: Yeah. So it, it, was,
0: it was kind of cute in that aspect as well
1: I have a feeling in the next couple episodes that may come out I don't know uh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't watched I really haven't um, god do I want to though um, but I feel like it's out there now that's you can't keep that you can't keep a lid on that because everybody but Elle knows that's probably going to come out between now and the last episode
0: of the season uh, you know what's going to happen guess. episode 8 he's going to be like I love you and you know what she's going to say I know. Um,
1: I know. Good call back. <laughs> Good call back. I hope y'all got that one. I'm not helping you with that one. You, have, you just have to know. No no clues. I like that.
0: But yeah, that's, that's my number three. Uh what do you have for your number two?
1: Love it. We talked about it a little bit, but um I want to talk a little bit more about the details of what happened in this conversation. And uh my number two is Fat Rambo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I laugh and I can't laugh. I have a sore rib. Um, I'm a little bruised. Um, so we finally, during all of this, once uh, we get through the whole slurpy cherry versus strawberry uh, fiasco, we finally get Alexi, he's talking, uh, realizing that's pretty much his only option. They were right. If he goes back to uh, his 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 bosses, and he's not either dead or tortured. And, and you know, Hopper. What did he use? He, he used a term. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's basically torture. Hopper, you're talking about if if you haven't basically what they're doing to Steve. Um, if you're not doing that same to Alexi, uh, they're gonna know he's. You know he's and he has a right to be scared of them. Look what the hell they're doing to Steve, the friggin' seven foot Terminator guy that's after them. Um, yeah, he's got a reason to be scared, so he might as well give up the goods. And he does. And we talked a little bit about like what the hell are they doing? What is? What are their goals? And why the hell are they in Hawkins, of all places? Um, we kind of get that confirmed here. What we fear. the Russians are trying to open the gate to the Upside Down. I don't know that I understand their motive. Why do they want to open this gate to the other? They seem to understand or know what it is. Like this is a gate to another world or another dimension. But why? Why do they want to do that? Is it because we did? Are they wanting to use it as a weapon? Do they even understand? Again, has no one told them about the Demogorgon?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they had the cages for it, it looked like. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, shit. Is that what that is? That what I that was that so, like, yeah, Erica was making that connection? Yeah,
0: I think so because they had the like Son Jurassic Park shockers. Shit! Yeah, I Erica
1: think- is smarter than what I gave her credit for, and I was thinking she was pretty damn smart. Uh, this episode, I didn't make that. Math, damn it! She,
0: she was doing math on the fly. She's a nerd.
1: Look what went right over my head. I did not even make the connection that that damn cage was for. Oh my god. What was I drinking? <laughs> um, damn, now I've got so much more to chew on, but I don't have time to chew on it because I need to get through my number two here. Um, okay, so maybe that does answer my question. Are they hoping then to capture a Demogorgon? What, m- make clones of it and have like an army of demigorgons? maybe?
0: Uh, maybe. Fight I mean, the Americans? think they can train them and it'd be like Chris Pratt with the raptors.
1: Yeah, oh. do the whole, you know, alpha, uh, yeah. the pack, alpha, you know, beta. thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love when Alexi, once we get this whole breakdown, I love the explanation. I like how he kind of breaks it down kind of like, uh, Mr. Clark did talking about the upside down. Remember yeah. it was That's the episode, the flea, the flea and the, um, shit, the tightrope. Was that what was the in so, the yeah. tightrope? But when he gave the explanation for the upside down, that was kind of what that reminded me of. I was like, I love how the show can just like really kind of break it down for you a little bit and help you understand. Um, so we had that whole nice scene, kind of finding out what's happening, get some confirmation. Um, but I love when he says, when he's talking about how the break in is impossible. This a whole facility was built by their smartest engineers and greatest minds (laughs) and guarded by the greatest warriors and breaking is impossible and then they immediately cut to erica and (laughs) dustin (laughs) scurrying around the whole place and i'm like that's awesome i love this show so
0: much i love that too when uh she jumps up with that weapon he's like what is that she says deadly weapon
1: yeah i was really loving erica and she has her moments there are some moments where she can almost get a little irritating like Mm. okay let's let's bring it down just a little bit. I mean, she's funny. She's cute. She's adorable. Um, and I love her, but there's some moments where I'm like, just dial it down just a little bit and bring it back. Um, but this episode, I think, um, I think now that she's been called out on her nerdness, nerdiness, nerddom, um, that it's, it's kind of reeled her in a little bit. Like, you know, she, she's had this moment of realization, like, Oh shit, maybe I am a nerd. And, um, it's kind of brought her down a little bit. Um, so I like that. But I like that whole scene. It was really funny when he called him Fat Rambo, but he's like, even if you weren't Fat Rambo, Skinny Rambo um, is not even making it. Even Thin
0: Rambo would have trouble.
1: Even Thin Rambo isn't going to make it. Oh, I, I love this show. I love this writing. I love the references. It's all great. And I'm a fan of Rambo. I grew up on those Rambo movies. John Rambo's a badass, man. Yeah, they're don't coming out with, with the
0: last Rambo soon, I think, in a I, month or two.
1: I heard that. I'm, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. Sylvester Stallone's really getting up there, man. They're going to have to win me over on this one. Um, But anyway, I like that whole confirmation of what the hell is going on. Love just the whole conversation um, and love that reference there at the end. Um, What do you have for your number two?
0: So my number two, uh, this show does an amazing job of making you hate somebody so much that they will reel you back in and understand that m- there's multiple sides and multiple situations for everybody, and yep. we see that very heavily with Billy. Yeah. So, oh uh, so the scene where so we see Elle kind of you know is trying to figure out where Billy's where the source is, mm-hmm. and she goes in, sees this beach. She sees a beautiful lady and a young boy running around, and any boy and their mom, like that's kind of like a super tight bond kind of thing. And that's what you're seeing yeah. in this up ep- in this piece of it. And right away I knew it was Billy. And they, they don't hide it from you for too long. You you realize that this is a memory of Billy's. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned that Billy was gonna be the reason his mm-hmm. mom wasn't around.
1: Yeah, because
0: she said something about the Riptide, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like he's going to go out, get trapped, and she's going to go save him and die doing it, kind of thing." Oh, that would be terrible. It would yeah. be, but probably what he went through was even worse. I don't know yeah. if it would be worse, but it was pretty, pretty terrible because his dad, you know, we—I I wrote this down. His dad like smacked the crap out of him last season, right?
1: Yeah, we definitely did get a, a glimpse into a bit of the home life. And I think it kind of made you understand a little bit about why Billy was the way that he was um, with the scene that we, we got there. Um I, it was, I don't know if it was the last episode, but it was maybe either the second to last or the last episode.
0: Yeah. And I kind of forgot about that, but this kind of reminded me of like, wait, didn't we see this before? But mm-hmm. his dad, obviously super abusive, um mm-hmm. very abusive towards his wife. He said something about her going and seeing somebody, which I don't know if she was or wasn't cheating on him, but he was, definitely super aggressive and super inappropriate with how he was treating her. Yeah. And she leaves Billy with him. And
1: I know like,
0: obviously his dad doesn't seem to be the best role model. The one person that probably seemed to be like the, the stone that he had left. And you just see the downfall of Billy. You see him fighting all these kids then. And um, after a baseball game, his dad's like calling him very vulgar terms. Yeah. And, it was, I mean, like you really felt for him, and I think uh, Dacre does. A, I think his name's Dacre, right? Dacre. Dacre. Yep. He's Dacre Dacre. He's
3: sweet. <laughs> he's <is> sweet. <laughs> um,
0: you know, he, in the in the scene when he finally comes back out of it and he's got Elle trapped, like he has like a single tear rolling, like he's talking to her, but it's Billy like dealing with all this, you know trauma from a his childhood. It was it was pretty intense for me. I mean, again. I think you think about a boy and his mom, and you know you you gotta have that that love. That's like you know the first love of a boy is always his mom, kind of thing. And you know it was it was tough. It was pretty tough. I'm not like I said earlier about the you know Robin and Steve situation, but I think this one mm-hmm. was even a little bit more rough on on me for sure.
1: It, this yeah, I think this one was pretty rough for me as well. I I was wondering if they really needed to go there. Uh, I mean, I can see maybe hinting at it again in case people did forget, um, you know, maybe why Billy is the way that he is. I mean, a lot of people who are bullies and abusers were abused themselves. So it, it makes sense. I think that in this A whole scene they were trying to humanize Billy. Like, we're trying, I think they want us to feel for him and feel bad for him, and they want to humanize him because really, all that we have is how awful he was last season. Mm -hmm. You know, he beat the shit out of Steve. He was terrible and bullied his uh, sister, Max, stepsister, and was basically an asshole to pretty much everyone um, except for Karen Wheeler, of course. Really nice to Mrs. Wheeler. Really nice to Karen. but, you know, that's all the real memory and all that we know of Billy. So I think that, you know, we're supposed to, they're they're trying to humanize him. They want us to feel for him and have empathy for him. Do we? I think it worked for me. I think I already kind of did. I don't, I didn't, myself, I didn't need this scene to feel bad for Billy. I felt bad in that first episode when he had his car accident at the mill and was uh, scared kidnapped, body snatched whatever by the mind flare that first time. I thought, you know, Billy's a jerk. Yes, he's an asshole. He's a bully. But does he deserve this? No. I don't think that. Um, and I don't think any, you know, he deserves anything that he's being put through right now. But maybe they felt they needed to go there. Um, and this is actually my number 1. I like how L Thinks of like she has that flashback that when she's with her mom, um, and when she touches her mom, her mom decides to share the history of you know uh, the experiments that her mom went through, and you know the the rainbow and all of those signs and things, um, and that's how she kind of figures out that's how she can find out um, from Billy without. Without him really knowing, without them actually physically approaching Billy, that she can get to him this way. So I really like that part. I thought that was a nice little callback. Um, And she does find Billy. She asks him to see what's happened, grabs his hand. Um, He's controlling the narrative because he throws her into the memory Mm-hmm. Um, of where he's hi- it's like he's hiding. It's like the mind flayer is purposely trying to hide this. And I don't know how much of it has to do with Billy, I don't know how much of it has to do with the mind flayer um, of trying to hide uh, what's you know, this source and where he's trying to hide this information. Um, but he's controlling the narrative, he's taking L on this journey um, of where you see his dad. Basically, he's his dad's a bully, he knocks him around, he knocks his mom around. Uh, we see that. You know, eventually, you know, his mom does leave. Um, And that's really sad that she couldn't find it within herself to take Billy with her. Why she would leave him with. His father, knowing how awful he was, she knew the type of household she was uh, leaving him in. Like I said, I don't know if there was someone else involved, um, and she felt that she couldn't take him with her. I don't know. That was just something within her, some character flaw that she had that she was not able to take her son. She should have taken her son and gotten out of that situation. So um, I really feel bad that, that Billy had not only to live with a terrible father and father figure— That he also left his or had his mom leave him. That's a very traumatic experience, especially a kid. He was only
0: like eight, maybe. Like yeah, I don't. And you
1: could well, like you said, you pointed out the very first scene that we got was between him and his mom. You can Mm. see clearly how good of a relationship they have and how close he is to his mom, and for his mom to. Basically abandon him to not just and it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to go leave you. I'm also going to leave you, but also leave you in this terrible household. I'm going to leave you with a father that's a complete abusive asshole. So it's a double whammy. So no wonder it totally explains. Like I said, it doesn't explain his behavior. It's not an excuse because I believe that you can make choices in life. You can make a choice to be raised in a situation like that and rise above it and not repeat Um, that but some people do Um, so I think that we get uh, a reasoning behind why Billy is the way that he is and we get an explanation but it doesn't excuse his behavior it doesn't say well it's okay if you're an asshole because you were raised by an asshole not saying that at all but anyway so but you can understand where he came from because he he didn't learn to process his emotions he learned how to process his emotions from his dad who basically yells at him calls him filthy names um, and knocks him around and you know, and I, I think that you you can feel a little empathy for him and I think it it worked. Um I didn't need it. Um I already felt bad from the first episode and then the sauna test. I think when you see mm, Yeah I feel like before the mind flare came out, that was really Billy there for just a little bit, you know, before he finally came out there when he broke the glass. And I feel like that was at that point the mind flare. I already felt bad for him then. Um I did love it in the moment when his dad, like you said, after the baseball game and his dad like grabs him and he's being very violent with him and calls him a really filthy name. Elle turns around and gives him the stink eye. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. I was like, that's right, Elle. I wish you had the power to like punch that guy
0: because how terrible. Like even that. though it's a memory, it's not happening real time. She made sure to give that stink eye.
1: Exactly. She was like you know what the hell's wrong with you you know that you do that to a young boy and do that to your son but you really hit the nail on the head the end scene when Elle thinks that she's out she's at the cabin but she's alone her friends are gone you know they were right there with her and she's confused wondering what the hell is going on and Billy walks out of the the room and He says, you shouldn't have looked for me because now I see you. Now we can all see you. You let us in, and now you're going to have to let us stay. Don't you see all this time we've been building it? We've been building it for you. All that work, all that pain, all of it for you. And now it's time, time to end it. And we are going to end you. And when you are gone, we're going to end your friends. And then we are going to end everyone. And when he says everyone... And that, like you said, that little single tear comes down his face. I had chills. I am not lying.
0: They had that little static over the voice, kind of made it a little distorted, was was super intense.
1: Like it was his voice, but kind of a little kick to it that sounded like it could have been otherworldly, like the mind flare. Like it was the mind, you could tell it was like the mind flare. Using his voice, so it was well, his it, voice amped up.
0: It was very kind of Nightmare on Elm Street too, where like she wakes up, she thinks she's awake and out of the dream, but yeah. it was enough of a like the the music and the kind of the motions. Like he's like, no, you're you're not out, you're still sleeping, Ellen. And uh, when he came around that corner, it's like oh, and puts that cigarette out, just like
1: it's like a dream Ooh. within a dream, yeah, isn't that yeah. kind of like an Inception thing too? A little bit happening there. Um, God, he, Taker Montgomery. I've been really impressed with him this season. We didn't get that much out of him last season. We didn't get very much of him at all. And then he was so wasted last year as a yeah, bully, agree. totally wasted. He is so knocking it out of the park this season. When he says that last line and that single tear falls from his face, he plays the vulnerability underneath the surface to perfection. Because I 100% believe in that moment. Yes, that's the mind flare in control, but I feel that single tear was Billy. Yeah. Like he's still there present and in just enough to be like, I'm still here. I'm still freaking out um, over what this thing is making me do and all the, uh, when what's happening to me. And I 100% believe that that tear was Billy underneath the surface while the mind flayer is in control. And he is just, he's absolutely brilliant. And I love that they're giving him something juicy and meaty to sink his acting teeth into. Cause he's really doing a great job. And I hope, I don't know what will happen this season. I, I, I feel like I can't hope that he lives. Cause I feel like it's not going in yeah. a good way for him right now. And it makes me really sad if there's a way to keep him around for another season. Um, and, and that's possible. I want him to be around for as long as possible. If not, I hope he gets some really great acting gigs. After oh, yeah. this. I hope people are, I mean, clearly stranger things is a very popular show and you get a ton of exposure from it.
0: Um, when he and I, has, I hope
1: good things happen for him.
0: I didn't realize he was in the new, uh, um, power Rangers movie. Yeah, so he a was big budget, which I didn't realize he was in that.
1: I know. And you know, I didn't watch it. My kid back in the day was a huge fan of the Mighty Morphin, the original Mighty Morphin (laughs) Power Rangers. She didn't like all the other ones that came after. She, she calls them knockoffs and hates them, but she was a huge fan of the Power Rangers original Mighty Morphin. I mean, she had a pink Ranger uniform. She had to come home and change into every day after school (laughs) and she would do the kicks and the hi-yahs. And she was the most adorable thing in the world. And she watched, I was quite shocked that she watched that movie. She's, she, she watched Stranger Things and she likes it um she won't talk to me about it of course because I'm lame um but she watched it and she enjoyed it and I was talking about Dacre Montgomery and I was like gosh he's doing such a great job this season I'm really liking that and she's like you know he was in the new Power Rangers and I'm like you watched that and she's like <laughs> I didn't want to but yeah I did and he was actually really good in it and uh I was like well that's coming from my kid that's high praise indeed um you just have to kind of know her um I hope he has more juicy, meaty roles because he's really impressed me. um, By juicy and meaty, do you mean
0: shirtless? (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: taking the fifth on that one (laughs) shot. You're not putting me in that corner. Um, And then the music. I have to bring up the music. I sent you the clip of that music just before we recorded. I found it, and I was so excited. The music that played during that whole montage when they're showing all of the flayed leaving the fair and they're all gathering. And he's at the same time talking to L delivering this speech and they're all going to the mill and they all just start to plop, plop, plop on the ground and melting into the, into goo. I swear they are shoving this goo down my throat, this pile of bodies and goo and slime and, and body parts. Um, they're really pushing my gag factor. Um, I got to give it to them um, with the way they keep pushing this. It was creepy. It reminded me out of something. I know there's probably a better reference. You guys, if you have a really good reference out there, shoot that to me because I want to hear about it. The only thing I could think of was The Omen um, is what that music kind of reminded me of. But that was creepy as shit. Um, But anyway, that kind of went in with your number two. That was my number one. I want to hear what your number one is.
0: Yeah, and my number one is really that end scene too in the source. So you know, we see the whole everything you pretty much mentioned, but we get the ending of you know now what do you say specifically? Now we all see you building mm-hmm. for you, like, and then that's when you see everybody going back to the mill, falling down and turning into goo, and making like this super big mind flare, and oh him breaking out or her breaking out. I guess I don't know what the mind flare is if it's guy or girl, but busting out of that and we are getting the battle starting soon and like you said everything you just mentioned <laughs> was super intense and just scary and I was kind of hoping this episode we would be getting a little bit more momentum mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like we're going to end these last two episodes just screaming towards the end
1: I think so I, I haven't I don't think I've seen one episode yet of this season where I'm just not on the edge of my seat with goosebumps and chills and then it, the episode's over and I'm like No, because they go so damn fast. Yeah, they're Um,
0: long. They're like 58, 59 minutes, I think. I know. Last year, they're like 48 to 50 minutes, so they're a little bit shorter, but it doesn't feel like it.
1: It does not feel like it. I feel like the minute I'm clicking it on and it's over, Um, sucks balls. Um, Yeah, they did a great job. They were that mind flayer. Do you remember in in season two when Will sorry, it's not Will sees it, whenever they're at the dance and you see the mind oh, flare yeah. how big over it was. above Yeah, like how big it was hovering over the school um in that last ending scene in season two in the finale. Um it's like that's how big that thing is gonna get. It's what I was starting to picture. It was like that yeah. isn't just like the shadow monster uh hovering over the school. That thing might be that damn big and then what the hell are you gonna do? How do you <laughs> fight that thing? <laughs> Ah, bring on the Russian nukes! That's what they're going to need um, the weapons for—is to take yeah, down the mine. That's flare. why Hawkins
0: isn't around anymore. This is a biopic.
1: That's right. That's right. A Good job. Doc. Um, well, that was a great top five. I'm super excited. I'm going to go into some notes. I do have a no- a few notes. I love when they're at the hospital. The kids find Nancy and Jonathan. They bust through the door. And how well-timed was Max's line? What the <laughs> blank? Um, what was she going to say? I don't know. Um, yeah, I know. Um, love that. I thought that was super cute. Very well-timed. Robin. So we've established we know who she is, who her parents are, Ethan Hawk and um, Uma Thurman. So that makes her, like, cool- Times two or squared. I don't know mm-hmm. how that works. I'm not Erica, so I'm not good with math. <laughs> um, <laughs> I suck at math, actually. Um, she sounds exactly like her mother. Um, yeah. If, When I think of Emma Thurman, I mean, she has been in so many great movies, but the one that always stands out for me is Pulp Fiction, of course. Um, she... When she's talking in pulp, pulp Fiction, if I close my eyes, that scene where her and Steve are on the floor before they get um, the truth serum, um, she is laughing, and in so many moments in this episode, it really stood out. I've thought of it before, but for some reason, this episode, it really stood out. She sounds just like her mom, and I just think it's adorable. I just, I'm just, i so in love with Maya Hawk. She's actually in the new Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Did you know that? she just have a small
0: part, I think? I-
1: I, think it's, I don't think it's like a huge role. It is a small part. I think she's one of the Manson girls. I hope that's not a spoiler or anything like that. I don't know anything about the movie. I haven't read any, I mean, I know what it's about, but I haven't read like what happens or the plot or anything like that. Um, but I read that she's in it and she's, um, I think, one of the Manson girls at the commune or whatever. Um, so that's super exciting. It's coming around full circle because we know Uma Thurman was basically mm-hmm. his muse for so long. Um, so that's, I, I feel like, really apropos. Love the line uh, you mentioned earlier. I won't forget you uh, from Dustin to Steve thought that was just absolutely adorable. Um, We talked a little bit about uh, how Erica is coming into her nerddom, how she's had to, you know, literally have it pointed out to her that you are a nerd. And it's so cute when Dustin is telling her he's, you know, we've got all the facts. Fact one, you're a math whiz apparently because she does that whole um, um, equation in her head, which made my head hurt um and she's like well that was a pretty straightforward equation and he says fact number two you're a political junkie and she says just because i don't agree with communism as an ideal ideology you see i can't even pronounce the word (laughs) (laughs) and he says fact number three you love my little pony
0: (laughs) oh so she's like well how do you know because i'm a nerd because
1: i'm a nerd um i love my little pony by the way i never watched
0: it i'm not a brony
1: you know, I didn't get to see it as far as like the TV show, but I had a bunch of the little My Little Pony dolls. Like I would sit there and brush the little brushes that came with them when you bought My Little Pony mm-hmm. and you would comb their hair. I had this beautiful My Little Pony that was um, a unicorn and a pegasus. <sighs> and it- <laughs> Shut up, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> And it had rainbow colored hair. So it's mane and tail were rainbow colored. And I just thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And, you know, all the little My Little Ponies had like the little, like the Care Bears had the little symbol on their tummies. Uh-huh. My Little Ponies had like a little symbol like on their hind leg. Um, and this one had, um, I think like it was like a little sunshine face. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Love My Little Ponies. I told you I was a nerd. Anyway. I like that conversation you mentioned earlier when we had the confession about Mike loving L, but I really like the whole conversation that they were having about L's powers and her limitations. Um, I think that Max and Nancy are both right about L knowing her limits and that Mike should trust her, um, you know, what L is capable of doing. Um, but I also think L wanting to help um and knowing that they have to stop the mind flare, So I think that she will also push herself farther than what she should. So she can help her friends and save them. Because um, we've seen how far she'll go, how far she'll push herself. And we saw her in her bedroom in the pile of tissues next to her. I mean, give that poor girl some freaking um, iron and... Uh, something because she's going to be bleeding to death as much as what she keeps bleeding out the nose. Um, so I think that while they are right, I also think that Elle may know her limitations, but I, if it were me, I mean, that's what I would do. I would push myself to an extreme, and I would risk my well-being to find or fight the mind flare and save all of my friends and save everyone. So I think that, you know, he shouldn't hold her back, but I think also at the same time, Elle would... I think Elle could probably go too far in that she'll probably completely exhaust herself and she could, she'll could, she hurt herself before she'll recognize, okay, I need to stop or I went too far is what basically my point. Uh, my last note, the real MVP of the episode, Murray's shorts.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love those denim cutoffs. Yeah, oh
0: man. Back in the day. <laughs> 80s anyway. and 90s dads all over, right? Oh my God. <laughs> loved it anyway sorry that's all my notes I
1: promise I'm done do you have any notes
0: uh, the main note that you didn't touch on is I just like the fact that we got Erica and Dustin going back to save Steve and Robin Woo-hoo. I when they were like Dustin was saying it's like no we gotta go we better chances of us surviving that gives us the better chance of Steve and Robin surviving but they come back and they do the heroic thing and they save them it was pretty awesome
1: was awesome um truth serum morons that was great <laughs> oh steve the hair harrington i i lied that was my last thing uh when she says uh you know who who would have known that i'd be stuck here with steve the hair harrington <laughs> um of all people i love that what a perfect nickname we you know we were talking about Uh, Steve the D why we always called him that and because he was such a douchebag in season one and we thought well we still call him Steve the D but now we need a different different definition of the D asked people for recommendations on what they thought um, the D should stand for now and we had someone on Twitter um, with the handle um, at love those cats Uh, say Steve the D Steve
0: the dad Oh, there you go like that uh-huh that's pretty good
1: see he's kind of went from the mom to like the dad and robin's kind of come in like the mom she, they're like the parents now and all these kids i think that was appropriate so thanks for that recommendation um anyway i think that's pretty great coverage of our top five and notes what a great episode um i'm ready to jump into one of my favorite parts and that's letters from the upside down our listener feedback you want to take the first one
0: Yeah. So our first one comes from Wendy Ott Epper. So the episodes go by so quickly. Such an enjoyable ride. Loving loving the pairings of Dustin and Erica, Steve and Robin, Joyce and Hopper, and Smirnoff is my new favorite character.
1: He's so cute. Give that man cherry slurpees (laughs) forever. Uh, Lindsay Schlick says Hopper's negotiation skills are awesome. I'm so glad he was right about Smirnoff. Stoned Steve and Robin was definitely my favorite part of this episode. I really love the scene with Elle and Billy's memories. Not just seeing what happened, but also seeing good memories of Billy when he was still a kid and innocent. We haven't seen or heard about his mom in the show that I can remember. So I'm very curious what happened to her. Did she just abandon him? This whole scene was so beautifully done. This end scene was mesmerizing. The crazy music, Billy's narration, the flayed gathering to melt into the mind flare. OMG, so disgusting. Amazing. Awesome and every other word I can't think of right now. I love this insane
0: show so much. Laura Willie Swink. Wow, what an amazing episode. I was glued to the screen the entire 59 minutes and 38 seconds. (laughs) From the most John Hughes channeling scene in the series with Steve and Robin, it's all just bullshit. To Bill's humanizing flashbacks, to the final scene at the mill. So disgusting. Totally reminded me of James Gunn's movie, Slither. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I have seen it. It's pretty good. Uh, just don't eat anything before you do. It hurts to think, think that there are only two episodes left. It feels like it just started. I know, right? We have only got two more episodes.
1: I know. And I've heard of James Gunn's movie slither. Um, and that's why I haven't checked it out. (laughs) (laughs) So no, thanks. I think I'll just watch something else. Um, Next one is from Doug Fick. He writes, holy shape-shifting flare, Batman. Like RJ said, hey, that's me. Um, It looks like the flare is made up of gooey body chunks. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, Like a really gross stew. Imagine the smell. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry, no seconds for me. Now was the roar in Nancy's face a throwback to Jurassic Park or was there still a little of the newsroom dicks in the mind flare? and they went to do one more dick move to Nancy? Hmm, Maybe both. That's what I'm thinking. The amusement ride that the Terminator was throwing the mayor around looked like the rotating tool the rescues were using to open the upside down. Loving the Bowman bench. New t-shirt idea Indeed. Yes, Erica, you nerd. A deadly weapon can be useful. Steve's realization that all the high school bullshit is just that. I wish people in the real world would come to those terms as well. The drugged up Steve and Robin is funny and sweet. Love how he described Dustin. Great hair, kind of like Fro. Uh, The antique uh, chariot and wheelbarrow. Fighting the Russians for all humanity. Elle found the source in more ways than one. Billy's source of his anger, he was happy once, heartbreaking, and now the zombie army has turned to stew, and we were about to get a heaping helping of it. The next two episodes should be epic. On a lighter note, Corey Hart's middle name is Mitchell. (laughs) Well, thanks,
0: Doug, for our Corey Hart fact of the week.
1: I've been waiting all week for that, so thank you very much, Doug.
0: Our next one comes from Robert Phillips, my top five, LX Machina. You can always trust a godlike psychic to save the day. Temporarily at least. Crush the patriarchy. Mad Mac style. The eighties knew that equality was a good thing, but mostly, not yet, and on men's terms. Mad Mac takes on not so magic Mike and wins. <laughs> the naked civil scientist. When Alexis Alexis exposed Alexis exposed? Alexia, freedom, I think, is what he meant, Alexia, means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Alexia is exposed to freedom in his current place in life, he has no option but to prove Hopper right. The unbearable nerdiness of being. A revolution for my little pony is something I never, ever even prepared myself for. Multi-person incorporation. Genocide comes for Hawkins and the nation. Blob monsters getting big. Very big. Hey, guys, what can I... Hey, guys, what Was this another one?
1: Oh, sorry, that's another one.
0: Oh. Sorry, you, if you want to take the next one? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, this one came in a different form, so the name's at the end instead of the beginning. Um, I had wine when I was prepping the agenda. <laughs> Um, Hey guys, what can I say about episode 6, E Pluribus Unum? I definitely had to check the spelling on this one. I felt it was slower on the whole from episode 5, but yet again, it didn't disappoint. Here are my top 5. Number 5. Between the spinning and the angry Russian Terminator, there's a reason I don't go on the Gravitron. Our esteemed mayor sure is not having a lot of luck these days with all the parties involved. He gives up information on the Russians and tells Hopper how scary they are, then tells the Russians Hopper is crazy and is not a threat. Obviously, he's loyal to himself alone. Number four, Cherry versus Strawberry. Speaking of Hopper, I don't know how he does it. He looked at Alexi and knew that given the opportunity to run, that he wouldn't go far. And to think of all this started over sugar water. (laughs) Number three, the score, Shake It Off. We have all been given huge praises to the great soundtrack and how it hits all of the nostalgic buttons of us 80s kids. I still think I may be a bit older than you, RJ, but come on, the score on this show is also amazing and just fits the scene it is tied to. I goosebumps watching the final scene of this episode and the music helped. Sorry, this one was a a tie, but the tragic end of all the flayed was also a sight. I guess that answers the question of who all of the mysterious shadows were. Oh, that's right. From the beginning... Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good uh, point there. Um, He goes on to write number two, inside Billy's mind. Elle's search for Billy led to some real uh, revelations as to how Billy became the person he is today. He was such a sweet kid ruined by abuse. Part of me wonders how that hit with viewers who lived uh, that experience. Number one, truth serum tribulations. Oh my goodness, this was possibly the funniest scene of the episode. Poor Steve gets the shit kicked out of him because the Russians think he is such a great secret agent. In <laughs> <laughs> a Scoops
3: Ahoy
0: uniform. ice cream scooper.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, he goes on, then the truth serum comes into play and he's asked again where he works. It's probably a good thing Robin also had the serum or Steve maybe a short, a finger or two. Um, mind you, the rescue efforts of Dustin and Erica were also helpful. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Joshua Diwali. Um, I think it was getting ready to lose a fingernail.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah finger. I think
1: ugh. that, that gave me the heebie jeebies. I yeah. don't do fingernail stuff, man. That, uh, uh-uh. no, those commercials with the, the, the little fungus thing that lifts up a toenail oh, yeah. and that commercial. Ooh. Oh my God. That just makes me want to pass out every damn time. Um, And he mentioned also um, some of the great soundtrack and hits of this show. There was a really great one. The scene or whenever Alexi jumped into the Todd father uh, mobile (laughs) and the pointer sisters, um, the neutron dance was on that was from Beverly or um, Eddie Murphy's um, shit. Beverly Hills cop. The first one one—it's from that soundtrack that totally got me in the feels. there. I love uh, Beverly Hills cop from in the day. Um, great email there, Joshua. Thank you so much. Um, Now we have an email as well. Another one.
0: So this email says, oh, it's getting better and better. Here's the top five. Number five, Smirnov, Alexei is a very lovable Russian informant. Can Hawkins keep him? (laughs) Four, Dustin screams. They crack me up. Three, Steve and Robin's exchange in captivity. Great character development. Like the camera angle changes, Steve the D is growing up. Gotta mess up... Got to mess up to figure things out.
1: Mm.
0: Number two, L's travel through the storm and answers to both Billy's past and what the mind flare has been planning. Such a great scene. Dacker, Dacker is Dacker. Almost keeps calling Daker. Dacre. <laughs> uh, Dacre and Millie were awesome. Uh, one, the giant mind flare monster. Ooh, and super scary. Excited for what's to come. Love your podcast. Really enjoy listening to both of you. Denise. Thank you, Denise.
1: We also have a couple of voicemails. First one uh that we have is from our good friend Steve Brown.
2: I'll never forget you! <laughs> Absolutely love Dustin in this uh Sean, it's Steve. And uh, uh not fair starting this episode uh with the Scoops Ahoy gang instead of at the hospital. But it's okay. They didn't make us wait too long to get to the hospital. Um only eight episodes, but you know, these last three are, are look that like they're going to be extra long, I guess. So that's okay. Uh, I love it. Hopper doesn't know Russian, but he does know uh, human nature. I really love that. Uh, I actually said, Whoa, out loud when uh, Mike made his admission of love for uh, Eleven. That was just uh, touching. And uh, love every scene. With uh, Robin and Steve, it was just it was just great. I I got the feels when uh, when Robin was talking about being in class with him, and when he said, "Oh, I'm, I was glad to be your schmuck," it was it was cheesy, but it was really uh, really touching. And uh, just Winona Ryder just completely impresses me more and more every every episode I see. Um, I really wish Dustin had ran into the room with that cattle prod, yelling "Wolverines." <laughs> that definitely completed the uh, Red Dawn <laughs> homage that they were uh, they were getting here, and uh, uh, just uh, you know a little bit of sympathy for Billy, but you know of course he is he is possessed, but still he's he's hairband Billy, and uh, you know, I don't think he'd do anything really uh, to redeem himself at this point. And uh, again, just I love when uh, Hopper calls the number and then uh, Joyce calls it again and uh, uh, thank you and good day.
1: Awesome. Yeah. We didn't talk about that much, that whole scene where Hopper has a secret number, um, I guess, to department of energy,
0: I guess. I think so. Yeah, it was pretty fun. And I love, and that's where I kind of left it out too. Cause that where uh, it just keeps buttoning up the slapstick and, I love Joyce and I love what she was doing, but again it was just yeah. a little too a little too close.
1: Yeah. She's great. I love her though. It's definitely at least true to her character and uh why we do love her. So that was a great voicemail. Thank you so much, Steve. I always enjoy um hearing your insight. We have another email this week. Some folks uh, might recognize the name because she was a loyal contributor to House Podcastica's podcast for the Game of Thrones um, podcast that, um, you know, she was a very loyal um, contributor. Um, I think she was even a guest uh, one episode and she was always very great with her voicemails and she's got a lovely voice to listen to. I promise you're going to enjoy this. I know I'm going to, I haven't listened to it yet, but i heard her voice so many times. This is from Archmaester Rennie.
3: Hey, Rima and Sean. Archmaester Rennie here, also known as Mayday Rennie, and now I suppose known as Strange Rennie. <laughs> this is the first season that I have listened to Strange Indeed, and it is definitely enhancing my enjoyment of watching Stranger Things. I've been kind of having the best of both worlds over the past week. I've been... Sort of binging, uh, watching an episode, then watching, listening to the podcast, watching another episode, listening to the podcast. Now I've caught up with you, so I'm sending you a voicemail about E Pluribus Unum. So um, I had this uh, thought about how the CGI was developed for the liquid flare. I imagine the Duffer brothers talking to the CGI people and saying, okay, I want it to look like the liquid metal Terminator, only all biological and really gross. (laughs) Mm. And the CGI folks coming back with a first pass at it and the Duffer brothers saying, "Uh, not gross enough. And the CGI folks saying, oh, okay, we know what we can do. We can make it less viscous, more soupy. So they take a second pass at it. And the Duffer brothers say, yes, that is the grossest thing we ever saw, which is exactly what we were looking for. Uh, So I can't wait to see what happens in the last two episodes, but I am going to wait now and watch along with the podcast. So thank you both for a great podcast. See you next episode. Ah, strange, Rennie.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. That was lovely. Oh, look at all the people we're converting
0: over to sticking with us week to week. I know. We're going to have to get it so that they stop. Like, we're going to get Yahoo and Google and everybody else in on it, too, so they stop spoiling everything. I
1: know. Oh, my gosh. Please, could people... I mean, it's one thing to go on Twitter, Facebook or things like that, but when you can't even read, like I go on my Apple, um, news app just to like what's happening in the news today and I'm getting spoilers in headlines and I'm like, come on people, you are a reputable news source. Don't put it in the headline, save it in the article. I won't click the article, but I can't help it when I scroll past the damn headline, ah, Anyway, thank you guys so much. Steve Brown, Archmaester Rennie for voicemails. I love voicemails. Um, I love the contributions. Thank you guys so much for taking the time uh, to just take a few moments. We're all so busy that you take a few minutes to write on our Facebook page, send us something through Twitter, email us to take the time to send us a voicemail. It means a lot and that you guys are still with us um, as we go week to week. I love it. If I sit and think about it too much, it makes me cry. So I'm going to like stop talking about it because I'll get emotional and nobody wants that shit. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys so much uh, for all the feedback. I love it. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thanks, everybody. I love the feedback. I love all the listeners we're getting from this season. So I
1: know. You know
0: even if you just want to say hi to us, email us, Remo replies back to it. I try to get to it as much as I can. Uh, we love you guys. We love our strange indeeders.
1: I do. And, you know, I, I, I admit I've slacked in my responding to all the, I used to respond to every single email that we got. Uh, I've been a little bit overloaded with all the feedback. I do respond. If you have questions, if you want to just talk about the show or, or whatever, I do happily respond, but I don't respond to every feedback email um, anymore because I kind of consider my response here on the podcast. You know, we talk about the feedback or what the person has said or something. So, um, Sorry, time issue, but I love every one of you guys for taking the time. Thank you. Um, So with that, what do we got next
0: week, Sean? All right. Well, next week we'll be covering the seventh episode from season three, titled Chapter 7, The Bite. (gasps) So the description for this episode is with time running out and an assassin close behind, Hopper's crew races back to Hawkins where Elle and the kids are preparing for war.
1: I feel like this isn't going to be a good bite, Sean. It's not uh, the good kind. I don't
0: think so. This isn't a good bite. There's no a- good scream and then a good bite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're getting all bad screams. None of the yeah. good screams. And this isn't going to be a good bite. Um, so I'm a little worried. Uh, well, we're really excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange Cast.
0: You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger and on Instagram at Strange underscore indeed underscore pod.
1: You can email us at StrangerThingscastpod at gmail.com and you can also find us on the TV time app.
0: And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast.
1: I can recommend uh, the Legion cast that uh, I am currently doing with Jason. Uh, from Podcastica, and Aaron at Bald Move. Um, there is only one more episode.
0: Oh, man. For you Legion. got two episodes of Stranger Things and one left of Legion? What are you going to do?
1: You know what? I'm kind of having a... I, I, I'm predicting a meltdown. I, I, I am. Legion is one of my favorite shows um, right now. Um, of course, Stranger Things is up there as well. It's hard to rank. They just... Sorry, it's apples and oranges. But knowing that Legion is over because this is a series finale, not just season. um, And that there's only a couple episodes of strange, stranger things. I think I need a mental break. I'm not going to be able to deal with these shows ending right now. So anyway, I totally recommend checking us out on podcastica at Legion cast. We're having a great time dissecting that show. If you haven't watched Legion, good time to start. Um, and, Speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance. It comes out every Sunday. Sean, what can we expect coming up? Oh,
0: this Sunday, we're going to be drafting Marvel phases one through three. So that (sighs) should be really exciting.
1: Yes. That sounds amazing. All right. Check that out, guys.
0: Yeah. And speaking of amazing, I just want to let everybody know if they're not counting along with us, we're pretty close to 100 episodes for Strange Indeed. (gasps) And
2: yes. If you're
0: calculating how many episodes are left of Stranger Things, there's two. So our 100th episode will be the season three finale of Stranger Things. Really excited about that.
1: I I'm excited about that, and I'm also excited that we have had some listeners chime in about that and and written to us and said, "Did you know that?" <laughs> um, you know what I. Wouldn't have if it hadn't been for some of you pointing that out because I, did I say I suck at math? Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. I I think I'm going to get some champagne. Sean, I think we need to have a, a little toast or something to we commemorate the occasion. We need to have something
0: occasion. ready, yeah. I yeah.
1: I'm super excited. The fact our 100th episode is going to fall on the finale. I'm Yeah, stoked. totally.
0: I've been playing in this since episode one.
1: We've had it planned since the beginning, dude. <laughs> this has been the beginning. We've had this, yeah. Absolutely. Playing the whole time. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Alright, well that's our show, episode 98, chapter 6, E Pluribus Unum.
1: Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Robert Phillips is strange indeed.